Welcome to the Burning the Red Shirt podcast. I'm your host, Zach Tao, and here with me is Chris Kay and Andrew Katz. Um, we're going to go over some things we talked about the other day, and now that Chris is here, he can give his words of wisdom. But how are you guys doing? Good. It was, it was Monday, but looking forward to talking some football. I'm pretty good, man. I Not really. I don't know. It already feels like it's been a long week, and it's only Monday night. So it's Monday. Ready for the weekend. Yeah, I hear you. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm doing all right. Thanks for asking, guys. Um, <laughs> but uh, anyway, so let's go ahead and jump in. Um, Chris, I know you've been – and you've been really dying to give your words about Bo Nix transferring <laughs> to Oregon and whatever, but the floor is yours. Yeah, I was listening last, or I guess it wasn't last week. It was like days ago, but uh, I don't know. I'm a, I would say I'm the resident Auburn guy of this group at the very least. I have season tickets, so I think I can at least claim that. I think um, ultimately Bo's time is right now, right? Like I think – he was like always going to go to Auburn because of his dad and he was a big recruit. And of course Auburn wanted him, but like Gus never got him any better. Like tell me the last quarterback that Gus actually made better. Was there anybody? Like, I can't think of anyone. You're putting us on the spot. Nick, Nick Marshall. I mean, Nick, but Nick Marshall was a runner, you know, like that was pure running ability. Yeah. So like he catered to that. And I think it's kind of like what you said last, the last time, Andrew, like. I'm testing, I was Bo, testing you to see if you actually listened. Yeah. Bo Nix wasn't, <laughs> isn't like the same, like he can run, but he's not a Nick Marshall. Right. And I think the problem with Bo is that you, someone made the joke about like him hitting all points of the pocket, like frantically. And he's just got the worst footwork in America. And if when he actually has good footwork, he can play really, really well. I don't know if he's going to be any good at Oregon. The fit's weird. But doesn't, like, when I saw that and heard that, I was like, doesn't that just remind you of Anthony Brown? Like, I feel like they're the same quarterback. Like, I feel like I'm going to roster him 60% of the time at, like, 6,200 on DraftKings because he projects for, like, <laughs> 22 points. Like, 20 points. Because he runs just enough in a high-scoring offense. So... I don't yeah, know. I feel we, like I'm gonna we definitely have a lot talked of about that. Like, I tend to like him more than Anthony Brown, but I, I don't know that I'm gonna reach for him if you know in a redraft scenario. Yeah, I wouldn't touch him in like a season long any of those formats because like he just doesn't have a he doesn't have a ton of upside compared to like what his typical game is gonna be. But I don't know. It felt weird, just like when Anthony Brown went to Oregon. It was like this is odd. Like, why would like, why would Oregon want him? And Oregon faithful in, like, the Debbie crowd, the C2C crowd are all up in arms about it because not only is it Bo Nix, like, going to a spot making a splash, <laughs> it all it takes over for that Ty Thompson guy that everybody loves. And now it's, like, everybody's frantic about, like, wait, is, like, Thompson garbage? Like, what is this? So it's been enjoyable in that aspect to see, uh, to see the Knicks transfer. Yeah. <laughs> Look, I'm I'm kind of excited to see the chaos that he brings to the offense, but realistically, I don't know that he necessarily improves Oregon because I think they're they're pretty good as is. But I guess we'll see. Um, Andrew, you have anything else to add to that? Or let me ask you, Andrew, what's like the outlook for Oregon? Because they lost like Pittman and Die and a couple other guys. Are they supposed to be good offensively? And they just lost Verdell, right? They they have and, Cardwell in the backfield. Backfield. They have Seven McGee, who's supposed to be Tony Pollard. So everybody talks about Oregon Oregon offense now in the context of the the Memphis offense because the Memphis OC went to Florida State. I mean, Zach kind of talked about how that whole yeah. that they're not even yeah. running an offense there. They're just running Jordan Travis around uh, for for days, and that offense it's the only time they're successful. So I don't I don't, I don't understand why. It seems like we talk about this this and glorify this Memphis offense and everyone associated with it from when they had like these four players who are all slaughtering at the NFL level now in their in that backfield. Maybe the offense just isn't that good. Maybe the system isn't that good, and we still have these expectations associated with that the memory of that offense. So, um, I mean, I I have no 
nothing but love for Dan Lanning as a coach, obviously, but he just brought in his boy from his Memphis days um, over to be the OC there. So, but I don't know what we can really think about and and project for this offense um, based on recent history um, and do so in a way that actually makes us think, hmm, this can be successful because these the players in this offense have been successful and the, the coaching staff in this offense have been successful. I mean, it's not really, it doesn't really feel like there's a ton to go on with that. They, they're bringing in supposedly or potentially Jarek Broussard, right? And they've got all these, or they had all these highly rated uh, recruits, wide receiver who did absolutely nothing in the Joe Moorhead offense. So, I mean, the best way to describe this offense, I guess, outside of Bo Nix is it's very much a black box, right? I mean, there's so much unknown. Um, and I think anyone who's going to try and just uh, cop, cut and paste, copy and paste anything with respect to that offense outside of maybe Nix is just really going out on them. Yeah, I think, at least for me, just my natural reaction when I hear Oregon think Oregon regardless of what they're actually doing on the field I, my mind instantly goes back to like Chip Kelly Oregon Ducks just offense is just going to put up points you know whatever when realistically they're not that anymore right um, and I think a lot of people their mind kind of goes there too they associate Oregon with offense right yeah. like that's just what people do um, but you're right though like the Memphis offense was always just this high scoring juggernaut, it seemed. But when you really take into account when they had four or five NFL caliber players on that team, maybe just their talent was that good. And that's why they were so good versus the system being the reason they were any good. Um, well, I mean, but, yeah. Fuente did took, you know, was like pre those days and had great offenses took a buddy with him to Virginia Tech and was just the absolute worst once he lost Evans <laughs> and Isaiah Ford. Uh, but <clears throat> probably don't want to beat this one too much. But I don't want to live in a world where Oregon's offense is going to be what it's going to be. It's just like like you said, you think of Oregon's offense or team and you think of these cool uniforms, which they still have, and an offense that should score like 45 points a game and seven seconds between plays, like, just changing the way college football was for a short period of time under Chip Kelly. Right. Yeah. I mean, that's, I'd love to see that again, but I think not with, not with Bo Nix. Well, <laughs> that's not gonna I mean, if, if Bo Nix decides to do that, then that's great. But yeah, I don't know. I, I think they're definitely the, the bar is low. So anything he does that's good will kind of just, exceed the expectations i think um all right so let's just move on to that um we're gonna go back to another topic we talked about last week because some news has come out of hawaii's head coaching search um hiring timmy chang andrew thoughts dude it's happening we get to be excited about hawaii again really unabashedly so right um there's no there's no gray cloud of uh, hovering over Hawaii going forward, whether it be in the way of everything that was going on with Todd Graham or the idea with G- if June Jones was hired, that he was kind of going to just clash his way through a couple of years, re- retire, and then we'd be back in a situation where uh, there, where the, the program is just tra- clawing and scratching and trying to find their next coach and probably making a bad hire. No, we can, we get to be really excited for Timmy Chang to come in and just throw the ball around at midnight uh, every Saturday night to, as we try and recoup those gambling losses. So it's it's going to be great. Um, the, the the talent that they have there is, of course, really not in a great place, thanks to Graham with so many pl- players declaring for the draft, transferring out. Uh, that I don't. I don't really even know what they've they've got. I mean, off the top of my head, right? They have. I think they have Dedrick Parson coming back, but in run shoot offense, I don't think you really want much to do with the running back um, historically. And the, I think they still have Jared Smart. So 
he becomes interesting. But I mean, from just seeing what we've seen and what we know about the run and shoot offense, right? We want more of the inside receivers, the slot backs, and he's always played outside. So maybe uh, the slot, the receiver positions that we care about are largely unspoken for at this point. What I was thinking about the other day, though, was so Cameron Cooper goes to Washington State, I think under Leach, get, and is recruited to run the air raid. Rolo comes in. He's running the run. And he's now failing to win the job in a run-shoot offense. Rolo obviously gets canned. New coach comes in and is an air raid coach. And Cooper says, I'm going. I'm out the door. I'm going to Hawaii. And now he's back in the run-and-shoot again. <laughs> so that's an interesting cycle. I mean, he was a huge recruit when he uh, – I think he was four-star recruit when he when – he, uh, uh, came to Washington State initially. So that they do not have a lot in the way at quarterback, and obviously everybody wants to run shoot quarterback, right? They have that dude Brandon Traeger, who I didn't watch, I didn't catch any of the games that he was actually that he actually got into when Cordero was out uh, in Graham's offense this year. But I mean, you'd have to think that uh, Cooper, if it's just him, Cooper versus Traeger, it's, Cooper's got a good shot at winning that job. So, I mean, I'm overall very excited for year one of the Timmy Chang era. I mean, what's the worst thing that happens? They fall behind and they have to air it out. I mean, it's going to be fun. That's what we want. Yeah. I mean, will it be an awesome offense in year one? Probably not. But So if you guys watched or listened to us last Friday, you heard Andrew emphasize the midnight start times. I think that's really why this is so exciting, right? We'll get exactly. back to the, the the run and shoot at midnight, two a.m. You know, finishes think, right, like eleven fifty nine though, right? Like they had to throw the old one minute stipulation there on a lot of those dude, on the schedules. Dude, they had the game against San Jose State this past year kicked off at like twelve thirty. It, it, <laughs> for, for some reason, zero they to give that extra. All right, so when you say like the the talent isn't there, wouldn't this be a really for one of those transfer wide receivers that's looking for an opportunity, like they they've been getting them here and there, right? Like those guys that don't make it. it was the your guy that was at Cal? Um, so, then went to Georgia. Oh, Demetrius. Uh, yeah, yeah. Like, why couldn't a guy like that go to Hawaii, especially with the opportunity now? Like, you're gonna get targets. You're gonna get playing time. I think the yeah, problem with that is that probably you just a, go into a black hole, right? Like where yeah. you're just like, if it doesn't work out, then like you just sit, you're on an island, literally. With no one <laughs> you're literally watch. on an island. Yeah. Yeah, I guess that's true. It, it, it would be a culture shock for sure, right? Like, I mean. Yeah. You, I mean, Island's you could say that. You could say that just about like anybody going to the South, though. Like somebody from Michigan going to Florida to play football would be a completely different or vice versa with the snow right. and stuff. Right. So, yeah. If there's, if there's a like a style of offense, though, to like turn around a team with zero promise currently, it's got to be the run and shoot, right? Like, that's like yeah. I feel like you can take advantage of, especially with like it being the Mountain West, which we've all agree is great, like entertainment football. You're going to get bad defenses. So, I think they could be a little bit more fantasy friendly than. You know, initially. It's, it's essentially a seven on seven, right? Like their offense is a seven on seven. I don't know if you, <laughs> if you guys are familiar with the seven on seven. It's no line, just yeah. snap it, throw it to the receiver, and let the playmakers do their thing, right? Like that works if you have the playmakers, though. <laughs> like if you don't have them, it's very limited. Definitely, they play the the thirteen game schedule too, but one of the games is week zero, but. I, at least last year, right? They played New Mexico State twice. I, I looked a little while ago, and I think they do something funky again, where they play like two FCS teams or something with it to get to thirteen games. It's great. So their, their schedule from like it's, I mean, there's so much to love, right? The 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 late kicks times, the like four or five non-conference games, including some schools that you prop that have borderline, no one's ever heard of. So, I mean, even if 
the talent leaves a lot to be desired presently, right? The portal that can be there to kind of help them get above the threshold of where they need to just be an offense that can get kind of get things going. And then, um, yeah, I mean, at minimum, I think it's super interesting. I mean, they're bringing a legend back, which is always cool. I mean, you yeah. said he was a receiver coach. I don't follow Timmy Chang a lot. So he went from receiver coach at Washington to head coach at Hawaii. Is that how that – I mean, so like – Nevada. Nevada. At Nevada, even better. Like, how do you <laughs> capitalize – I mean, you just straight capitalize on your college career like it was nothing. Oh, like, yeah. Just going from Nevada receiver coach to – I mean, it'd be awesome to see. I mean, that'd be a well, fun He was in Nevada for four years. I'm looking at it. Like, he was the inside receivers coach. Then he was the tight ends coach. Then he was the wide receivers coach. Now he's the head coach at Hawaii. <laughs> <laughs> like, you know, hey, good for him, right? Definitely. Good for us. Um, but I did – I pulled up their schedule. Um, they open up with Vanderbilt on the island. Getting the tough game out of the way in week zero so that we don't – Then they get Western Kentucky. So Timmy can can focus all offseason on week zero. Yeah. So they got Vanderbilt, Western Kentucky, at Michigan, Duquesne, Mexico State. I mean, go down the list, Mountain West schedule. But, yeah, I mean, potentially could be fun year one. But I guess we'll have to wait and see how the receivers shake out. Um, Until then, it's just – we hope for the the best, I guess. All right, let's go. To, we're gonna move to um, our next topic. Um, JT Daniels entered the portal. Um, where do you guys think realistically he ends up, and do you think he starts where he where he goes? I I mean I don't know where he feels like a Nevada quarterback to me, but like why would you go to Nevada if you're him? Uh, I pulled up the famous. Andrew Katz tweet from the other day that had this list of schools and none of them really jumped out. Like, would he be intrigued by going to like Duke? Like, does that do anything for him? Probably not. The one that looked the most interesting that is not factually incorrect or factually correct anymore because of Chase Bryce is app state. Like that felt that would feel like a good, a good like combination there. I don't know where, what makes that sense or where he'll actually go, but like, you'd have to think he starts. Zach, did you look into the Boise rumors? Is there anything there? You're on mute. Sorry, I was muted. <laughs> uh, but no, I didn't look into the rumors that much because I, show prep. I think they're loyal to Hank. I really do. Is that uh, your heart or your mind speaking? That's what I think. Yeah. Um, my heart says I hope they go for it and they give him a legitimate shot. Yeah. Because, like I, I like Hank. Don't get me wrong. Got a lot of heart, but you've been there long enough now that you you can't keep holding on to the ball until you die, essentially, because that's what he's doing. You you brought up Jack Sears last time, mm-hmm. and. When I go to Auburn, there's a person that works within the community that has like a pretty good vibe. So like he had told me like, um, Hold on. do we have do we have an exclusive here that we're about to break? No, well oh. <laughs> maybe. <laughs> I don't think it's gonna happen anymore. But originally, well, he told me like, hey, Bo Nix and Oregon have a call at noon or something, you know. So like he has some pretty reliable stuff, which is like the most ridiculous situation of how I know him, but. He had said that he thought Jack Sears might go to Auburn, which makes sense if you think about it because of Harson. Right. The question is, you know, would you transfer somewhere where you know Harson is just going to end up getting fired probably in the next year? So probably not. Is that is that the word? I mean, everybody, like, I think everybody in the community does not like him. That's a general comment. But it's hard to... <laughs> Is there a particular weird? I think you're not. I'm not falling for this trap. (laughs) I just think that he did not do a lot of like. I don't think publicly he did a lot of things right in terms of like the whole COVID situation. We'll say like I think he kind of tackled it a certain way that was not received well. Go figure in Alabama. Um, 
but production matters and it not great to do what they did this year. The couple losses they had, like Mississippi State, like really, really rubbed people the wrong way. Like I, then, I always wonder, like they played Alabama so well. If they win that, let's just say, if they win that game, does that buy him another yeah, year? Yeah, he gets a year. He gets two years. I can. <laughs> I mean, I think it's what very if, what if PJ Finley hadn't thrown that touchdown against Georgia Georgia State? Exactly right. Like you could do that. Yeah, uh, he's definitely. He's obviously the coach this year. Is he going to last another year? I don't know. I mean, like the situation at Auburn is pretty bleak, right? The receiver group is pretty whatever. Yeah. Tank's got one year left. Hunter's good. Offensive you line get back is years, you might you might do off, something. Offensive line is blown up. They lose everybody. Then they lose a lot of big names on defense. And then obviously Finley is your quarterback. So I'm curious what they would do with like a uh, the former four star. Uh, I think his name was Demetrius Davis, something like that. He was supposed to be really great. He's not really a fit for Harson. He's more of a Gus guy. I'm surprised he has. A, he but. could be – he's a fit for Harson in a way. But we won't get into that. Um, so, so the original question was JT Daniels. Where do we think he transfers? My – so tying back into a little bit of our discussion from last time and giving it some thought, I'm, I'm crystal balling him to Louisiana Tech to go run Cumbie system, throw 50 times a game, and just rip rip apart Conference USA. If he was smart, he would do something like that. I mean, the guy's got a great arm. Yeah, he's awesome. He's got pro potential easily, right? Yeah. Like, So just go somewhere that's going to throw it. Okay, so... He could go anywhere and it would be out. surprising. Hear me out. So why is Ole Miss not a possibility? I mean... It would make sense to me. I guess I never even thought about that. I mean, the, the rumors about Dart, right? So, yeah. But would you rather have Dart or JT Daniels? I'd probably rather have Dart, just because really? I because I get a couple years of him. Well, right. Yeah, I mean, but this this game of the transfer portal, you essentially can get a new quarterback any year you want, right? Like, do you want the old USC quarterback that got brutally injured, or do you want the the newer model? I mean, I don't know. That's fair, I guess. I mean, I don't think it's the wrong answer either way. I think, um, I'm, I'm not saying that's where he's going to go either. Like, I think it's a it's a good possibility if they want him. Yeah, I like the Louisiana Tech call though. Thanks, that's man. fair. Yeah, that's fair. All right, so um, enough of that. Um, all right, so if you if you were listening last week. Andrew broke that Jordan Addison would be going to Alabama. Now, I don't know if that's still going to happen with Burton transferring there. Um, no, he got scared of Burton, I think. Okay, so he's going to stay put, you think, or do you think he goes to Hawaii? <laughs> <laughs> that's a great call. <laughs> he's no. little, dude, he would catch 200 passes at Hawaii. That'd be, that'd be awesome. <laughs> how, how I mean, go before the transfer, how many receivers do we think Alabama needed? Because in my head, I was thinking at least two. I was thinking two. Yeah, like right? two starters. Surprising if they got another. Yeah. I mean, they who's gonna turn Alabama down if they come saying, Hey, we got a spot for you, right? Like yeah. they're gonna go. Um I guess it really just depends on how much they really like these guys behind, like these freshmen that they had. Hall, Brooks, uh, Baker's gone now, but like JoJo one. Like all of these guys, like do they step in and just become the next wave or are they going to rely on transfers again to shoulder the load? Because if you look at the numbers, I don't have them up, but if you go look at the numbers between Jameson Williams and Mechie, they they had to have caught like eighty percent of the balls, yeah. Between the, between the two of them, but so you can make an argument that Burton slides into Mechie's role and Brooks slides into Williams, and those are like pretty glove fit. Probably neither is quite as good, but maybe eighty eighty five percent in that range, I guess. But that wasn't good enough this year. 
So the goal is just to replicate this year. It's probably the goal probably is not to replicate this year, right? It wasn't well, good didn't get the job done. It was good enough, you could argue. Yeah, fair. If they were playing. Yeah. I'm not saying they would have won, but I think the game is different. Yeah. Yeah. I, mean, uh, we, I think there was a huge diff not a huge there was enough of a difference. Yeah. Jameson like, was down. It almost felt like they couldn't do anything in Bryce. But it felt like and it's I hate the defense to lose two top guys. After, well, but after you roll out the 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 rugs, rest in peace too. Um, the the, the rugs, um, Waddle, Judy, mold of offense. How do you just like go back to what this year was and think like that? That's not that's not the transcendent offense. I don't know. I don't know how you. Yeah, I don't know how you see how Alabama can operate and think that this year's was was good enough. Yeah, I think you. I think you go and try and replicate that. I don't think it was good enough either. At the end, like I feel like even if they have those two guys, it's still going to be a struggle to win that game. But they were they were the offense. I mean, they didn't run the ball the first like ten games of the season. Yeah. Right, and then they decided, well, hell, we have to now because we don't have any receivers we can lean on. Which I want to come back to the point I was going to make earlier, and I don't like to say this about Saban because I think he's a great, obviously a great coach. But how were they not more prepared? You didn't have Mechie. You knew you didn't have Mechie. For you have a month to prepare for that game, and you really didn't prepare anybody for it. Holden, Holden was the guy, right? Like the guy that was going to step into the to the role, and he just was kind of there. He made a couple plays, but nothing big. Um, is that not preparing, or is that like just having overrated young guys? I mean, it's like if you think about it, all the it's not good enough. Yeah, I mean, it's possible. I mean, think about all the like the really those sick years of like those the, those guys, right? Judy and Waddle and Devonta and all those guys, like. They always contributed a little bit with huge random game. Like Devonta Smith had like a five touchdown game in a season. He had like twenty five catches, right? Like, yeah. I mean, it didn't feel like they ever had a number three. Like Slade Bolden was just like, yeah, just your guy, just he the was- random guy that was going to get three catches and for eighteen yard type, you know, like because and that was super frustrating because you know you figure oh Mechie get hurt or something like that. I think this is like with Waddle, maybe even a little bit last year, like you figured Slade would just slide right in and they never did. It was weird when um, when Jamison got hurt, how like the guys that ended up getting all the targets were completely right. Like even then Slade didn't get a ton of targets. Like, and then you figure where's Billingsley the whole game. And Latu. You know? yeah. And Latu. And like, I thought the whole time Latu would be forced to block. And Billingsley is not really, I mean, obviously he's not barely a tight end, like would just get a ton of targets and none of that happened. So, yeah, yeah it was, it was definitely a weird year of Alabama offense. Like my wife's an, a huge Alabama fan and she was sitting there saying like, I don't know what it is about them this year, but she says something's off. Something doesn't seem right. And we would watch Bryce Young as many great plays as he made. There were plays that you thought, those aren't plays that Jalen Hurts or Tua would make. Like those aren't throws that they would miss, if that makes sense. Yeah. Um, not look, he won the Heisman Trophy, so it's hard to really, you know, complain about how well he played. But um, so we think one more receiver to Bama, then, right? Like it has to be. I think so. Yeah. And I'm not even. I know people love Burton, but like, I'm not even sold on him as like replacing Mechie. Mm-hmm. Or, I mean, obviously, he's not replacing Jameson. I I think he's great, but I mean, we've all we've only seen him. I think the stat is he only has one 100 yard game. It's that that first JT Daniel start right where they just went absolutely nuclear on Mississippi State and Burton broke out that game. And we've all we the the uh, me speaking on behalf of all Uga fans, we've all kind of been projecting that uh, and expecting that from him and for lots of reasons. I mean, he was hurt and hurt, dinged up, however you want to phrase it, for almost all this year, like barely getting practice reps, not starting a lot of the time. So, I mean, as it was the case for 
so many UGA wide receivers this year. You can, I, I mean, I more or less just scrap the production as any indication of anything representative of how good those players actually are uh, this year. I mean, I, I've seen enough from Burton to feel really strong about his talent. And it'll, I think it'll be super, super interesting to see where he goes in fantasy drafts this year. I'm not all the way into the point where like I'm ready to just like to just start competing with Debbie and C2C guys for him in like the third or fourth round. If that's what the market price ends up being set out, I don't, I don't need to do that um, because I'm sure in that range, there'll be uh, guys that I just feel a little more confident about, but I mean, I expect him to take on that Mechi role and and have really strong production. Um, so, I mean, it wheels up for me. All right. So I was looking right here at the um, transfer portal of the wide receivers that are in it. And there's some interesting names that I feel like could happen. Um, I don't think they will, but you never know. Chris's guy, Brew McCoy. Brew McCoy. <laughs> that would be I right. Mean, he did some bad things, but on who has talent, who hasn't on, done on field talent? Why would he not? I mean that that feels like a great fit. I mean, <laughs> where is he going to go? Because isn't it weird that we haven't heard? Is it because people are like coaches are like not quite desperate enough yet to take on that PR hit? Like they're like, I gotta see where some other guys land, and if we miss them, then like screw it, I'll just I'll eat it for a week and bad publicity, <laughs> you know, bad publicity, and like donate to charity at the same time, maybe right? Like, what's the deal there? I don't know. Is, it, is his legal situation all resolved, or I, mean, I, I assume? I think it is. Yeah. Like from a from a. It, removing the legal aspect of it. it. I agree with you. It totally feels like uh, the kind of recruit that Alabama would bring in and have success with. Right. But I, the, the opportunities there though, like that's the thing. It'd be one thing if they were loaded at wide receiver and you thought there's yeah, no yeah. way he's going to play, but he could, we haven't seen him really play, but I feel like the opportunities there to be, a focal point of that offense still. He, I mean, I would go as far as saying he'd be the most talented receiver on that team. I mean, that's fair to say. I mean, I just. What's your I, memory of how his career played out in 2019 2020? The only thing I remember is that one, he had a touchdown that like was the most BS touchdown. It went to another, <laughs> it was supposed to go to probably St. Brown and it tipped to Brew McCoy. But that team was stacked. So if yeah. we're talking, you can't really. He was like the fourth receiver, and he had some – he had decently, yeah. fairly consistent numbers. And I, he just always looked good to me. I feel like he did not really get on the field at all in 2019, and everyone kind of assumed he was going to have a tough time doing it in 2020. And then he started really hot, relatively speaking, like the first couple of games of 2020. Like we were all starting to play him in DFS, right? Here it goes. Here we go. And then he kind of faded out again, right? And just was – I, don't, I feel like he ended up doing not much like the back half of the 2020 season. And then is, obviously nothing happened in 2021. Is he – how far out of high school is he? Was this year supposed to be a sophomore year or a junior year? Because I thought – Are you talking actual years or weird college football years? <laughs> uh, actual years. This was year three. Was it really? I think I so. Thought, I thought he was two. Because didn't he transfer like four times in like a six-month <laughs> period? Yeah, back and forth to Texas. Let's take a quick I look. forgot about that. Yeah. That was – it was weird because I, I didn't follow it very closely, but I thought, okay, he's going to Texas, and then the next thing you know, he's going to USC. Oh, no, he's going back to Texas. It looks like <laughs> 2020 was his first year. Really? Yeah. Okay. My bad. Here's something. So this will be year three. This will be year three – Yes, he, but my question was, was he supposed to be a sophomore this past oh. year? Well, so he technically he's a freshman, right? Like, that's how this works? Yeah, it's like it never, none of it ever happened. Okay. How big do you think he is, real quick? Because I want to hear some of these other receiver names. I thought he was, like, a shorter guy 
but he's not a shorter guy. <laughs> oh, I, I saw he's 6'3", 220, right? Like that's about yeah. how big he is. I would have guessed like six foot one ninety. I would. That dude's yeah. a tad. Yeah, that's what I would have said too. <laughs> who were the other portal? Quickly, who were the other receivers in the portal that looked? Um, I'm trying to look at. There's those are the ones that are already enrolled. Taj Harris, we talked about him last go around. He hasn't committed anywhere. Um, he committed oh. to Kentucky and then came back out, right? And then Tavian Robinson swooped in. Um, yeah, he's, he he's, he's, he's still getting Kentucky. I'm looking at 24 seven, like well, committed. And then it was like, Nope, I'm out. Thanks. I'm going to be back in the portal and undecided. Uh, there's some enrolled Bo Corrales seems like a perfect slide into Slade Bolden's role. That was his career at UNC was weird. Wasn't it? That guy had some really good <laughs> he's, games. He's going to then, SMU now. Yeah. And he had some weird, like, just all of a sudden was like, nope, I'm not playing. What about? Well, his knee was all messed up, and we just never got a good timeline or expectation. And next thing I know, I'm burning 24th round best ball picks on him, thinking he's, like, good to go. And then dude doesn't play down. I've done worse. Um, Yeah. Forgive me me if I (laughs) mispronounce his name, but is this guy even good enough? Trey Shropshire, Shropshire. Oh, that's Chris's dog. Yeah, I know. That's not a that's not a move that guy makes. That's not a move he makes, unfortunately. Why not? It's in state. Yeah, stays in state. I mean, I mean, Saban could he live with himself if that was like his second best receiver going into the year? Why not? Shropshire. I think if we're at this far point down the list, Bama. I mean, Toe Toe came from Tennessee, and they're a dumpster fire. So. Yeah, but- they're not gonna just pick guys off the list. They're gonna re- they're gonna go. They're just... getting the off the list, the off the menu order. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> These are the secret menu, like at McDonald's. Like they right. don't tell you they're there, who, but they'll do it. Who is the secret menu receiver? <sighs> and I'm looking at this list, and I'm there's not very many big names still that haven't either committed somewhere or. Yeah, but that's on the menu, Zach. Well, we're it's on the menu. What the hell? So you're talking about somebody who's already the menu. somebody who's somewhere else then. Yeah. Currently. That yeah. hasn't gone portal yet. That hasn't portaled yet. Yeah, that one I don't know. I haven't even looked into that. You guys, I mean what about what about Wicks from Virginia when he finds out Ooh. that what a disaster that offense is gonna be? <laughs> If you turn that offense into a disaster, I mean, what are you doing? I mean, could you imagine? I mean, Armstrong wasn't going to go anywhere anyway, so, like, he didn't really have a choice So unless he wanted to portal as well. But you can't – you got to, let like, let that offense do it again. Right. Because Wicks was too good. All right. Here are two other ones, guys, who we, we as a community were – Need to band together. Relatively to high on going into 2021, and they both sucked. Uh, Fry Fogel and Jalen Robinson. Mm. I feel like we should have known better about Fry Fogel. Yeah. That guy yeah. just struck gold with like the four Phoenix games that were awesome. That yeah, Ohio definitely. State game. And then once, once he got hurt, like once Phoenix got hurt and you're relying on Jack Tuttle, you know right. it's over. It was over. What about this is a guy I want to like peg somewhere later in a conversation, but Nathaniel Dell, he's still at Houston, right? Yeah. Wouldn't mm-hmm. that be a cool ad for Bama? It would I be cool. G5, and I'm thinking like what is a realistic, realistic player that could do it, but hasn't portal yet. I feel like a stud G5 receiver, although I think Houston's probably too good. To portal out, but I, yeah, I mean, you're going to Alabama. That's a different. That's different than going to like Tennessee, where you're. Yeah. yeah, it's an SEC school, but it's not Alabama. You, if you start for Alabama, you're pretty much getting looks in the NFL, right? Like they're gonna at least give you a shot. When's the end of people transferring? Like what? Like at what point will they stop announcing? 
Like when does the portal close for this yeah. year? Yeah. I feel That's by the way, question. I feel like my mom talking about the portal right now. Hearing her I, talk I feel about like the portal. The, I feel like the general hilarious. idea is you gotta be enrolled before the ad drop classes date but that's what so that's what people say but at the same time why does it matter like come on you, you know it shit doesn't actually matter okay twitter um oh god joshua moore committing to smu yeah he, he backed out from was from it texas, texas tech? tech yeah that seems pretty cool they have so many receivers now, though. It's, yeah. I feel like it's creating more problems than we need. Like, if they didn't take on Corrales and more, their their room is so clean with Rasheed Rice, Curley, and Goffney. Like, we're just we're good to go. We've got those three guys that just move in really nicely and transition transition to one, two, three. You know what that means? One's got to leave <laughs> and go to Alabama. Whose receiver room are you taking if Joshua Moore is at SMU? SMU's or Alabama's? Oh, man. You know I love the – It's got to be SMU, right? Yeah. I mean, this is a pro Rasheed Rice converse, like podcast, so <laughs> you know we're uh, – SMU. Yeah. And Curly and Goffney are sweet, too. Yeah. I mean, I feel like they are so deep at wide receiver that Alabama is like, man, if, can we just swap? wide receivers <laughs> like completely swap this do a whole trade and i think alabama would be very happy and they would win that um uh, let's see any more players you think that should transfer somewhere and that they haven't yet i that, that need to go that that <laughs> either need to go or you yeah. would think they they would be better off going somewhere else so this is it's purely selfish. Um, yeah, this I, is I, want, a- I want to find out if Evan Conley can actually play football. The the Louisville backup quarterback, like in the tr- world of the transfer portal, this dude has sat behind Michael Cunningham for three years now, and he's the, he he. Do you remember that crazy game they played against Wake Forest in 2019, where there were like 130 points, and Cunningham gets hurt like midway through the third quarter. Conley comes in, puts up like 30 fantasy points in a quarter and a half. We never hear from him again in 2019. And <laughs> he just came in the last game of the regular season. Cunningham got hurt again after struggling all game against Kentucky. Immediately throws a 70-yard touchdown. Like, I, I want to know if this kid could actually play. He was a decent recruit, and he's just chilling behind uh, Cunningham. Like, yeah. I, I don't know. Maybe he's getting hooked up with the NIL deals on, on the side. to like maybe, maybe that's how you keep a backup quarterback at this point in uh, – in the college football landscape, but it doesn't, I, I, I just want to, I want to, I want to believe, and I want to know if he's good. That's actually I, a great point. Like I'm something I actually have never thought of until you just said it. Like, how do you keep guys around anymore? There's, oh yeah. Everyone talks about it through the context of like coaches need to recruit their own players every off season, which I mean, add another reason why <laughs> being a college football coach is the worst job like from a oh, any sort of mental health sucks. standpoint in in the world, like yeah, I don't understand college kids because they leave when there's great situations. <laughs> they go to schools that don't do what like like the last week's conversation about UCF and receivers going to UCF makes no sense. Like, why would you do that? And then like you have high school kids that just continuously. Why would you be the third five star to go to Georgia to play quarterback? How does Bam? Like, how does Georgia get seven five-star running backs every year? Like, yeah. just go somewhere else, and you could be a stud. And like, the worst is when they go to a, a, a school that like they're a running quarterback, and they go to like a, like a Nevada that only wants to just Carson <laughs> Strong it. You know? Yeah. And some like the decision making of these kids. Like, look, do what you want to do. It's your life, your career, whatever. But you're right. Like they make these decisions. Like I'm going to go from a good situation where I was playing, I was starting. Now I'm going to go somewhere where now I have to fight to start. And when I do start, I may not even get the ball. Yeah. Like, it's, it's quite odd. Really. Some of the decisions these guys make. 
I mean, we just have access to such little information, right? All we see is offer commit, but like, right. We don't see the under the table <laughs> deals that we know are happening, but, but back to what I was saying though, like, how do you keep somebody to like, how do you keep them there? You, you can't say, well, you know, if you work hard, you'll get your shot. Like, screw that. I can go to Tulsa and get my shot tomorrow. Right. Like it would be I impossible. I don't think you can. I don't think you can. <laughs> it's like, it's literally you just try your best and that's it. Like you just, there's no way to, there's too many people out. There's too many teams out there. Right. All right. We'll wrap that up. And one thing we can talk about, this might be a pretty big discussion, but we've had some pretty big dynasty trades in the last year or two that, we can talk about like what was good, what was bad. Any of them that jump out to you that you made or saw somebody else make. I'll start. I'll start it off. I only had bad. So Bainbridge, <laughs> Bainbridge would Bainbridge would agree with that one. Uh, I traded. So I've been pretty anti spent Spencer Rattler in the past. And I was like, if there's one format to get him, it would be dynasty and go figure. That was not the right answer. Um, so I actually traded, <laughs> Brees Hall and uh, Jerome Ford for Spencer Rattler to last offseason. That did not pay off well. My team would have been – I would have had the most incredible running back receiver group ever. <laughs> I log jammed my quarterbacks and went downhill. But yeah. I was not sold on Ford. And, and so that's why I was like, well, you know what? I'm going top quarterback, top running back. Not a big deal. Yeah, it's tough because like if you're not sold on a guy, it's hard to justify keeping him when other people are sold on him. Right? Like if you know, like, man, they really like this guy, man. I can get something good for him, right? Like your your own desire to keep him weighs so much in these trades. Because there's guys that I like that I, I don't ever want to give up. And people are like, yeah, I don't really want him. I'm like, why don't you want him? He's so good, <laughs> right? I know you're there. But anyway, um, as far as trades, Andrew, anybody that – any trade you made that you regret or just – I was looking at all my dynasty trades leading up to this, and I, I'm, I'm pretty boring as a dynasty player, generally speaking, in the sense that in season, I just – my goal I'm, – if I'm competing, I'm just – I just go out and break the the bank and pay up to just go buy short-term mercenaries to try and win me a championship. Like I'll trade my first round pickets, whatever. There'll well, be a million guys on waiver wire. I'll figure it out later. Hold um, on. You got to tell everybody though, you got to trade one of your first round picks. <laughs> you make all these deals to gather the picks. Yeah. But that was before I had kids. I don't have time to do that anymore. Um, <laughs> When I when I when I loaded up on like thirty or forty draft picks for like three years down the line, and then I'm still kind of swimming. We have like, eight rounds that are slotted for our draft, and Andrew will have thirty five picks. Not anymore, though. I'm down to only about one and a half uh, x of a normal draft. So times change, but I'll just. Um, but I I remember going into this past season in the off season, I was trying to like just figure out some things make some make some trades and i was all proud of myself for like executing a real dynasty trade a two for two posted about it on twitter was ready to defend it uh, against whoever came at me and when we were getting ready to do this i was like let me look up that trade because i want to brag about that and i was like i remember i got greg bell and Plumley, and i was like okay bell's gonna show out this year and Plumley's going to either uh, maybe he'll actually successfully transition to a receiver. Maybe Corral gets hurt and he comes in. Maybe he transfers out of the program and becomes a startable quarterback, which is, you know, where I stand on that at this point. Um, <laughs> it's all coming to fruition. It's all going to work. And I was like, well, what did I give up? I remember I traded Zamir White who, as an Uga fan. I mean, I love the Zeus story, but and I can't believe he played as well as he did in, in the championship like that. I... I did not expect that. So good for him. I hope he goes and get, gets a lot of money in the draft. But I was like, who's the second guy I gave up? It was a two for two. I, and it, it turned out to be Will Rogers, which so I was planning on coming into this 
and bragging about that trade, but now I have to, I guess I have to take an L there. Walk that one back. Yeah. It doesn't look like it's going to work out, but I, I, I didn't really have that many, like many trades where I, outside of just buying mercenaries for draft picks and stuff. I mean, the, the, around the same time as this two for two, I, I sold off Michael Pratt for a second round pick. So I feel good about that. Um, and, but yeah, um, no, nothing really else to, to brag about in the way of trades. Uh, for this I only made a few trades this year, um, less than I have. And maybe it's because like you, Andrew, I don't have the time to sit there and try to like whip up some, some great offers to people. Like I don't spam offers to every team in the league. I used to. Well, I know that's what I was <laughs> getting at, but no. So I made a couple trades. One I actually made with Chris that I'm, I feel pretty good about. I don't remember um, this one, so I'm. You know, I think it worked there. out. Like Chris had a team that was competitive, and I mine was faltering because of my quarterback situation mainly. But um, Mateo Durant and the fifth round pick for Raheem Sanders and the second rounder, like Durant was just. He was an immediate touchdown every week. He was demolishing, yeah, and yeah. then he did like nothing pretty much after. <laughs> well, yeah, I had to call him and tell him, dude, you got to quit doing that. He's, You're not on my roster anymore, so dude, go ahead. We're, we're out of that sweet, sweet non-conference schedule. It's time to <laughs> – It was like week seven, okay? He had like two – it's ACC. They're all non-conference games. Right, and then I, I mean, you definitely won that one. I mean, without you could say without a doubt you won. That I, one. Well, yeah, I mean, I guess if Sanders turns into something, I have just the more time to wait for it. I guess, which I think he will. I I hope I win it, and I feel like I won it. But I this is the one I'm really curious about, though. I got Mario Williams for I traded Sky Moore and Brad Roberts at the deadline, and got Mario Williams. It worked out because Sky Moore went pro. Right. Because your your team wasn't competing. So it was like, what's the point? Right. And then you really looked up because Sky went pro and then Mario Williams went to you. Oh, I love that. That's my favorite thing. When I trade somebody that has eligibility left and then they go pro. Oh, it's the best. <laughs> it makes me feel so good. I'm like, yes, I'm so glad I didn't hold on to him. And now I have nothing to show for it. But... Yeah. I have um, an interesting one that I definitely fell on my face on, but I could do it because of where my team was at. That now I think has turned around where I could potentially win the trade. So I was stacked at quarterback, like insanely stacked at quarterback, like Malik Willis, Delora, Mordecai, and Will Rogers even, I think, too, on my team. So I traded Sam Howell for Chris Smith from Lafayette. Uh, Jermaine Burton and Polk from Kent State, and I literally—I was joking with you guys earlier. I like used Chris Smith like twice the whole season, but I think—I mean Bailey and Montreal Johnson are gone, and so now it's like he's the lone guy, right? And then Jermaine Burton's at Bama. I think I might have just like gone full circle and won this trade. <laughs> yeah, so, I mean, it's definitely looking up. Did you guys this this conversation makes me think of that tweet that went out maybe in the last week and it was like two polls screenshot back to back and it was like what pers- like how many of you offer like a good fair deal on the first try like in the first offer and it was like 75 pe- 75% of people said yes and then another poll same guy said which one of you know how often do you get a great deal on the first offer and they like 75 people, 75% of people said no, like <laughs> not the case. So it was like literally, but I mean, that's just kind of how it is, right? You kind of have to like never give up, show your guns on the first offer, right? Well, you're, the deal that you offer, you might think is fair to you. You've already talked yourself into this, man. I don't know how he turns this down. And then you, then you inevitably get the, the rejected trade and you're like, are you kidding me? Well, like, in Dynasty, there's all those different variables that everyone kind of weighs differently relative to where they are in the comp- competing life cycle, right? So you, I mean, from your perspective, and obviously you try and put yourself in other person's shoes to some degree, but you don't know exactly how you're thinking. I mean, so, I mean, that's only going to make it more difficult when you're trying to weigh, is this actually a fair offer? 
that's fair of, in pieces. Yeah. Yeah. Like if you're if you're completely out of it, especially your team's done for the year, like at week five, you're 0 and four. You're like, well, I'm probably not gonna even make the playoffs. So let me just go ahead and offer some guys to, to like get stock talent, right? Whereas to you, that might be your mindset, whereas somebody else wants to win now and wants all your your stars, but yeah, I guess it all is your perspective on where you stand in the That's league. Fine. I want to ask a uh, off-the-cuff random question because we talked about Bama, and I'm thinking to myself, Brian Robinson's gone, right? So yeah. who's, who's the running back, and why is Trey Sanders not good at football? <laughs> Dude, they got Gibbs. Yeah, oh, wanna, shoot. yeah, they got Gibbs. We're good. Never you want to edit that out? You want to edit no, that that's out? fine. I have, Gibbs in, I have Gibbs in my industry league, so that just reminded me how happy I am. Yeah. Well, it just shows that it was a really unscripted question. That's what <laughs> we're genuine in this room. It happened. Do you remember when that happened? It happened at like the exact same time as another huge piece of news dropping, like literally within like sixty seconds. I forget what it was. It was like a, a Wednesday afternoon at like. I was o'clock. golfing. I was golfing, and I was like, "Yeah, I remember." Was it? Uh, I forget like, what it was. PCU running back. But I don't know. Yeah, it's funny how we get like. It seems like. The news comes in waves, right? We'll get like five awesome things happen, and then like nothing will happen for a day. But it's great. There's no off season anymore. It's awesome. All right. So just real quick. So I guess how do we feel about Zach Evans? I mean, Ole Miss is he's at Ole Miss, right? I'm now. I'm not <laughs> confident in anything I say. I mean, without all the running backs there now, that's pretty great, right? Ely's gone. Parrish is gone. Snoop Connor's even gone, right? Didn't he declare for some reason? Yeah. Yeah. yeah I think so. Yeah. yeah so, I mean, that's like an elite spot, right? You would think. Elite spot, elite talent, and there's not a lot to like. I mean, there's with. lots of different ways to think about it. And with Evans, of course, there's so much unknown in every single that, like, you can't, you, you, have, you have no idea what's going on. Is he going to be another Tate Martell? But or is he going to be. But we think about the idea of these three running backs leaving, him coming in, there not being any competition. So, I mean, the immediate – what you gravitate toward is, wow, 20, 25, 30 touches are in the realm of possibility, right? But he had that opportunity last year, and it, they were only giving him 15, 20 touches based on what you – I mean, what you want to believe, what you hear, right? Is some of it like was that he potentially was not in the shape to take on any more work than that? That he was that he was driving on the sideline or just like out of breath on the sideline. But that first six or seven games, if like he was when he was getting like 15, 16, 17, upwards of 20 touches, like he didn't need any more work than that. It was putting up top 10, 15 RB numbers in in CFF. So, I mean, the there's all there will continue to be lots of unknowns, lots of considerations that you want to try and weigh when it comes to Evans, just because of how up and down and bumpy things have been with him. But I mean, I, in the dynasty startup, I drafted him in last year. I took him in the third round and I feel good about that going into this year for sure. I thought, I mean, it sucks. He didn't play the second half of the year, but I mean, in terms of just validating what can be, I fe- I feel like I, I made a dis- I made a good decision. I love the talent. I've seen the- it translate to pr- real production, and it, like there's a lot of ways that I think this could play out amazingly at Ole Miss. He does feel like the right running back for Ole Miss, right? Like. I mean, obviously, we very just need fast. to pray that, that Lane doesn't catch. get offered an NFL job. I feel like that's <laughs> the Jags. That's, that's that's the immediate blocker to him fulfilling the prophecy of just going absolutely nuclear. It feels like he feels like a big step up at running back, like talent wise. Like, I mean, yeah, the guys they had there were really good, but this guy's got, you know, pro. They've already been talking about him as being one of the top running backs going pro. And he really hasn't done a whole lot. He's like got the correct like, legs. That's the thing, right? Yeah. Keep the, keep the legs fresh. For Maybe that's the key. Just keep transferring to where you you don't really actually have to play. 
And then you get then now you're eligible for the draft and you only have had like 18 carries. And there's no stigma about you sitting out a year. Right. So so you're ready to go. Like you're you're 23, but you really have like 18 year old legs and you're good. <laughs> Does he have one year left or two years left, Andrew? That this was his this was his second year out of out of uh, college or out of high school. So he's in the same group as Bijan and Yeah. Gibbs. Yeah. Who is at Bama, by the way. I don't know if I mean, I think if he has a big year, he's going pro, right? Oh, I mean, he's gone regardless. Yeah. Yeah. He doesn't need I mean, look at the guys going pro these days. Like literally Snoop Connor is going pro. (laughs) Like, and I'm sure he's a great guy, a nice guy. But like why wouldn't you just stay at Ole Miss with the NL? Like, it's not like there's no NIL, right? Like, he has opportunity to make money and only improve his draft stock. Like, I get it's a weak running back class, but what are you thinking? Yeah. I'm looking at like guys that have declared for the draft, and I'm like, what? Yeah, Snoop Connor. There he is. Tell me I'm wrong, and he's a fifth year senior, sixth year senior. Oh, he might be. Don't He's the same him. age as his number. <laughs> so. Wow. Well, I guess then we can leave it there. Um, we talked about pretty much everything we set out to talk about. We accomplished uh, our goals. Yeah, for sure. Um, if you guys have anything else, last minute adds to this or you guys good? I don't think so. I think we covered it's, what we needed to cover. No, it's, yeah. well, it's great I think getting we the band back together. It wasn't the same without you, Chris. It's like yeah. it's got to be 10 years, right? Didn't someone jokingly send, say 10-year anniversary? I think that was maybe Mike and Josh and I in a, a DM <laughs> saying like 10-year anniversary of of us getting together and doing these stupid shows or yeah, at least the random right. conversations. But Yeah, I mean, I, th- I think it's been probably eight. Yeah. Right. By the way, we need to one of these shows. I was just thinking about this. Look at our like our go through our draft, our dynasty draft from way back. There's nothing better, I think, than the nostalgic look back at history of like, you know, I don't know. It was probably like what 2014 or 2015 where we yeah. it was our first year in like looking at who you picked in the first round. Ooh. In like the second round, of the, you know, because you get. I think back then too, ODU had like some promising situation, so people would be drafting ODU quarterbacks early. Heineke. I took Keenan Reynolds early. I'm pretty sure. <laughs> My first two picks were Travis Green and Antoine Goodley, and they were both awful. And they That's... were both they were both seniors. Way to build a, a dynasty team, Andrew. And it was all downhill from there. I feel like my strategy for dynasty has changed since from when we started to where we are now. How would you do it now? And we just lengthened the show by 20 minutes by me asking that. But how would you do now? Like if we were starting it up today, is that what you're asking? Yeah. I would definitely draft a lot more players that I know are going to give me points today than I did before. You'd go more like stud junior yeah, level. like guys that were more of a sure thing. Like, yeah, they may not be the top five of that position, but at least I know that I'm what I'm going to get instead of just trying to bank on these freshmen that may never play. As you see it, like the guys transfer multiple times that I ever see in the field. Like, I feel like I would be a little more um, senior yeah. and proven. It's it's a rare it's a rare situation where I use a high pick on like a, on a true freshman in the, in the draft where I took Evans in the third, I took Trey Henderson in the second and Shipley in the sixth. And they, they both cash, but like, I was super into both those guys coming into it. Like I, and generally like I don't get into recruiting. I don't, I'm not gonna, like, I don't care about high school kids in any capacity. Like it's just like once you, once you put on the college jerseys, when I start to care about you, so I'm never going to be almost never, I'm ne- almost never going to be on, as high as any anyone else on fre- on true freshmen coming to the picture, which I mean, there I think there's so many different ways in CFF that it's fine, but I mean I I I think I don't want to necessarily take a ton of seniors or draft eligible juniors and stuff like that, but I mean the way 
I feel like I approached it in this most recent dynasty startup I did is I try and balance probably like 50% of just uh, guys that I feel really, really strong about to get me immediate production. And then I'll think a little more medium to long-term about my other 50% of my picks. Yeah, I think I'm leaning more with Zach. I've always feel like I drafted based, like even in like redrafts, it's like always, or even like the best balls that we do now that I feel like I go for the way more proven, like maybe a little bit less upside. But I think the longer you get into those things, especially dynasty, like startups, you start to see guys that are like actually really good. Like, I don't know, random, but potentially good example would be like Jack Sorensen all of a sudden is like available in like the 18th round. And you're like, like, did he just like tear at Achilles? And I don't know about it yet. Like, why is he still here type of thing? And I feel like in college, there's so many of those guys that you can do that with because how crazy the Mac can be that maybe I should be a little bit more towards the upside early. In in college, I feel like returning production is such a trick a lot of times too. Um, in the sense that just because a guy like, okay, let's say you, you're trying to organize your thoughts and organize your rankings for the upcoming season. What you do is you roll over production from the previous season, back out everyone who's gone from the picture, and you're left with basically a list of the, just like push them up. the highest performing players from the previous year. A lot of those guys suck, suck slash are in no way a good bet to reproduce that production for the current year. It's just that they they were good last year because everything kind of worked perfectly. Everything kind of shook out for them. Maybe they just played every game. But given how much change, like, okay, two examples, right? The Quad Brown and Preston Hutchinson. Like, I th- those guys produced last year or you know, in 2020. And they were going pretty high in this year. I, th- I, I mean, I, I feel like a, a, re- a strong reason for why they were going pretty high is be- just because they, they were on, they, they were on the field, did some, did some good things, did some explosive things, but everything kind of broke right for them in 2020. And Hutchinson didn't like he lost his job even before the season started, and then Quad uh, lost the a few games in. So I, I feel like, I feel like returning production is it's such. It can be such a trick and a trap to fall into in college football just because so little about that the previous season you can actually roll over to the current one. Yeah. That's tough because like you see the stats and you're like, oh yeah, this guy's a lock to even because your your natural instinct is okay, he had this, he's gonna go this this year, right? Like that's what you you're inclined to think. But it's not always the case, um, but all right. That they're really going to cut it here now. Just <laughs> added another fifteen minutes to this, but um, that's all we've got for tonight. Um, so, you guys, have a good night, and uh, we'll do this again sometime soon. Hopefully, yeah. hopefully we can do this like weekly, bi-weekly. You know, just talk about whatever news that comes out, whatever. So. Let's do you it. guys are down. I'm down to do it. So definitely. All right, guys. Later. See ya. Later.